Welcome to Hairstylist Rising Podcast. Together, we are going to dive deep into mindset, marketing, and finding fulfillment in this beautiful industry. I'm your host, Jody Brown, and I am a hairstylist veteran turned online entrepreneur and mindful marketing mentor just for beauty pros. No topic is off limits. We are going to pull back the curtain and discover the success secrets of hairstylists that are rising. Hi, and welcome to the Hairstylist Rising podcast. I am so thrilled today to have a guest who is near and dear to my heart. Her name is Dana, and I have been working with her as her coach for the past several months. The things that Dana has accomplished in that short period of time will blow you away, and I am so excited to share her story. So Dana, if you wouldn't mind just introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about who you are, where you are, what you do, all the things. Thank you so much for having me, Jody. I'm honestly very honored to to be here and to chat with you today. So thank you. So again, I'm Dana. I'm a brand new salon owner and a um, educator with Kenra Professional. And uh, I have a wonderful team in my salon and I just love doing hair. I've been doing it about 16 years now. And I think a big part of it is learning that at this point in my, my career, It isn't just about working in my business behind the chair. I finally just got to the point where I learned that if I want to be successful behind the chair, I have to be busy working on my business, not just in it. So that's been a big part of the last few months for me. And that's such an important lesson to learn. Let's rewind a little bit. I'd love to hear a bit of your backstory. So how did you get into the industry? I was a teenager just finishing high school and I had submitted an application in to be actually an early childhood educator. I thought I wanted to work with kids and I submitted my application about a week late, which ended up being a huge blessing. So I thought, well, I don't just want to work at the coffee shop for another year. I don't just want to spend another year doing nothing. I thought I'll go and uh, do an apprenticeship in hair. And then I have a way to pay my way through real school to get a real job. And uh, (laughs) not ever thinking that doing hair would be, you know, my full-time real gig. And uh, I ended up just falling in love with it from day one. I, I don't know why I had this perspective that it was something I could do on the side, but not make a real, real career of it. But as soon as I got into it, I fell in love with everything hair and I have never looked back. I've never done anything else but hair since then. This is a story that I hear from so many stylists and even so many of my guests on the podcast that they kind of got into hair as a backup plan, like so that they would have something to fall back on. And so I think it's so amazing to see people who are really rising in the industry and the perception when they got into the industry was that like, this can't really be a great job. And, you know, this can't really be a profitable business. And I think that that is something that I'm really excited that I think is going to change. Like we have, you know, we have so many like huge earners, huge educators and really successful business people in the beauty industry now. And I can't wait for you know, I think 10 years down the road, maybe when people go into the hair industry, they're going to be like, this is how I'm going to make my fortune. This is going to be how I make my money. But I love hearing from stylists who are like, society's perception was this was a backup plan. And now I'm obsessed and it's my life. (laughs) I think that I thought it was way too fun to make me money. 
like a job has to be something you slave away at and you hate to go to work and it's it's the daily grind I didn't think that I could go and love my day and do something artistic and make money doing it I think that was my perspective totally and you know I'm really excited to talk to you today too because I know this about you but I just want to share with my audience that you didn't buy the salon and get into educating because you don't want to be behind the chair anymore. Like you still love your business behind the chair and working with clients. And you got into both of these opportunities a little bit differently. So I'd love to hear if you wouldn't mind sharing how those opportunities came around, how you qualified, whether or not you wanted to do them. And we'll start with the salon. So what did that salon ownership journey look like for you? Honestly, I don't think I ever considered owning a salon as part of my goals or my journey. That just wasn't, I had tons of things that I wanted to do with my business and within the hair industry, but owning a salon wasn't necessarily one of them. It kind of just happened by chance that the salon that I was at, the owner wanted to take a step back and she approached me and asked, you know, was, what's was that something that I would consider kind of taking over the salon? I think she felt that she could see some leadership qualities and felt like I was already really helping with a lot of the salon running part portion of that. So she approached me back in the summer and just said, Hey, if you ever get to the point where you want to leave the salon because you want to start your own, talk to me first. And I kind of said, well, if you ever get to the point where you want to sell the business, talk to me first. That was my first intro to even considering owning, you know, fast forward to today where she ended up with some health issues and felt like for her own health, taking a step back from the salon was the best thing for her family. And she just kind of called me up one day during lockdown and said, Hey, is this something you want to do? And did you immediately feel like, okay, this is the right decision? Or is it something that kind of took a little bit? Like how, what did that process look like for you making that decision? No, it definitely wasn't immediate. I mean, there's that initial excitement. And I mean, you're, you feel kind of honored that somebody would consider you for that. So I think there's that initial like, oh, that's so nice. But I mean, realistically, we're in a pandemic it's a big responsibility. It is going to take time to run and money. And we weren't even open. So I was buying a closed salon that if it, if it did reopen was very likely it would close again. So was that even something I wanted to tackle? So I mean, I had to take some time to really think about what that looked like. And if I wanted that to be my long term goal, because it certainly wasn't going to be a short term gain. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's, and you know, I think that that's something that's important across the board. Obviously, the situation we're the situation we're in right now is it's unique, right? Like this is not something probably like five years from now that people are going to have to necessarily take into consideration when purchasing a business. But I do still think that like whether it's pivoting into a different area in the industry, whether it's opening a salon, whether it's making any move in your business. I've always said that like just straight up making a ton of money is not a good enough motivation because very infrequently in business, will you make that super huge profit right off the bat? So I love that you kind of had to consider whether or not it was something long-term that you wanted. And 
the thing that really stuck out to me when you were talking is that your the owner of the salon really saw a lot of leadership qualities in you. And you know, I think that that's one of the main things that is important for salon owners is to have those leadership qualities. And it's not in the sense of like being a boss, but can you tell me kind of what you think are the most, if if someone's thinking about opening a salon, what are the things that you would look for in yourself? What are some of those leadership qualities that, that you think are important when it comes to growing and leading a team? I think you kind of hit it bang on. Like it's, I'm not a boss technically to any of the stylists in our salon because we are all our own business. Everyone rents a space. So I don't technically have full decision-making power over anybody in there. But I think if you are going to be responsible for a salon, whether you have commissioned stylists or renters, there needs to be a level of leadership and a way that you can inspire your team So if you're not trying to rise above and be a better stylist, be a better, like better at everything. If you're not going to do that yourself, you can't expect the people that are working with you to do that either. So I think it's wanting to know what's best for your salon and and being firm in the culture you want to create. And that's going to also bring people into your salon that are going to be like-minded and also allowing them the freedom to be themselves. So you're not dictating, like trying to rule over people doesn't work. It's leadership has to be a team, not a dictatorship for sure. I think that's especially true with the evolution of our industry and the sheer amount of opportunity for independence for stylists, right? Because, you know, the past decade has been so transformative, I think, in our industry. And even the past five years, like the rise of independent studios, independent salon ownership, independent suites, which I think are amazing. But I do think there's still a place for salons where people want to be a part of a real community and, you know, be with a really great leader. But I think that salon owners who try too hard to control and think of themselves as the B word, like a boss instead of a leader, can almost drive those people away. So I think that when you're thinking of undertaking salon ownership, it's such a great point to say like, yes, we want to all, you know, be in it together and be a leader that's there to inspire and coach and like uplift your team as opposed to rule over them. And I think that is the way forward for sustainable salon ownership. Oh, I totally agree with that. I mean, if you are going to have, you know, a team meeting or a, or a staff meeting that you could have just sent out in an email, people are busy. Just send out an email. You don't need to have a staff meeting so you can tell them all your dreams and all the things that you're doing for the salon because it's your baby. You know, if you're going to have a team meeting, have it an opportunity for them to say what they need and what they want and what they're excited about, what they're learning, like make it beneficial for them. Don't just have a team meeting that could have been an email. Totally. I think that's such a great point. And you didn't just take on a salon in the past little bit either, right? So not only did you open or take over the salon and you're busy like coaching and leading your team, making changes in your own business behind the chair, but you're also a a new educator with Kenra. Can we go a little bit into how 
that opportunity came up and if that's something you were pursuing and kind of how that's fitting into your new, to your new role as a salon owner. The education piece was more something I was pursuing than the salon ownership. I was actively looking into how I could kind of go to the next level in my journey as a stylist, because I'm so passionate about it and I love it so much. And I think that I have got so much out of people that have taken the time to train and educate me. And I want to do the same for other people in the industry. And that's, we can all learn from anybody. I can learn as a, as a master stylist, I can learn from an apprentice. You know, if you have this mentality that you're never above anyone else and that you're always, you can learn from anybody at any point you will be successful because you're humble enough to learn. And I think that's really important. And I think that passion to learn from anybody made me want to also give back to the industry in a way that I can. So I have so much to learn still every day I'm learning, but I wanted to still take part in the next group of stylists coming into the field. What can I, how can I encourage them and help them be better stylists? I had an opportunity to switch color lines over to Kenra and I was basically, long story short, it was offered to me, hey, we're looking for educators. We think you'd be a really good fit for our team. Try our products and see what you think. So I tried them for about a year and just got a feel. I don't want to support or stand behind anything that I don't love. That's just not who I am. So I needed to love the product to teach other people and to support it. And to, to if I'm going to stand for that brand, it needs to be something that I am passionate about and love. So I spent a year just falling in love with the product. And then the opportunity opened up to be part of the Kenra team. So I chatted with them and now I'm in the middle of my certification. So I'm really enjoying it. That is so good. I love that. So before you took on these two pretty major responsibilities, I I know that you were working a lot and I would love to talk about kind of like where you were at as far as like capacity to take on new projects and then how you made changes in your schedule, in the way you run your business so that you could create the space to take on these other opportunities? Well, I would say that's kind of the part of my story where you come in, because at the point that I reached out for help in my business was the point that I met you. And at that point, I was definitely looking into, okay, I've spent a lot of hours and money on my education to be a better stylist. But I realized that being a better stylist, I had to be a better business owner. And we don't leave hair school, uh, beauty school, cosmetology school. We don't leave with any business skills, or I didn't. I'll speak for myself. I, I'm getting older as far as how, how long ago I came out of beauty school, but I had no business skills. I didn't know how to market myself. I'm in my 30s, so understanding social media was still newer to me. How to use social media to actually benefit my business was new to me. And I was at the point where my hours behind the chair were over what I could handle. My clientele list was over what I could handle. And I didn't 
I still wanted the opportunity to take on these other things. Well, admin work, running a salon takes hours. It takes time. Having time in my schedule to now be educating others, that takes time. I was out of time, but I had other areas that I wanted to fit in my schedule. So at that point, it was like something has to give and I don't know how to do it. So that was at the point where I looked into business classes, where I hired a business coach, started you know, looking into, and, and that's, that's when I met you. And that's when basically things turned around for me because I needed a team to teach me how to do that. So, I mean, having a, having a, a group that could support me and, and help me to learn and having a one-on-one business coach to sit down and, okay, these are my exact concerns. That is what took me from point A to point B. Do you think that you could have taken on the things that you'd taken on if you had the workload that you had prior to seeking support and and seeking education? Like, do you think that you would have been able to take all of those additional responsibilities on? Because I know, I know that there was a lot in your schedule and it was still, it was almost at a point where you were kind of afraid to make changes, right? So how did you overcome that fear of change? And how did you overcome that to kind of get, like, if you wouldn't mind kind of sharing some of the fears you had about making the changes that you needed to make and how you got through them? As hairdressers, I think many of us are pleasers and many of us want, like, we love our clients and we want to make people happy. And I think that's part of why we love what we do. So I think I got stuck in this routine of for me to be a good hairdresser means that I have to make everyone happy, fit everyone in when they want to be there, charge them a lower discounted price, basically sacrificing my income, my mental health, my time, my family, losing some of the joy that I have for the industry because I was absolutely in burnout mode. And yeah, sure, I could have taken on extra stuff, but it it just would have meant that my marriage would have to suffer. My family life would suffer. You're not as creative when you're burnt out. So my technique would go downhill. My clients wouldn't get the best of me. So yeah, sure. I could take all that stuff on and I probably could have for a short period of time carried on, but yeah, there was a long list of things that I was, I mean, definitely upsetting my clients was on the top of my list of fears and it took having accountability and having someone in my corner to help me I guess almost just give me permission. There's lots of times that you have said, okay, Dana, I'm going to give you permission to, to do this to, you know, and you almost need to hear that. You just need to know that someone who understands the industry is like, it's okay to set a boundary. It's okay to say no, it's okay to have a higher price point. And I think you just need to hear that from somebody. I, I needed that. I needed someone to be in my corner and give me permission to stand my ground. Yeah. And I think it's so hard, right? Because like you said, we are on the whole in this industry, people pleasers, like not to generalize everyone, but I think a lot of what we get out of this industry is, you know, our ability to make people feel great about themselves and all of those things. But then at some point along the line, for whatever reason, we started to think that like, you know, 
low prices meant really good customer service or, you know, staying after hours and working late and doing 12 hour days meant good customer service. And I think somewhere along the lines, we started thinking that in order to be really successful in this industry, we had to sacrifice all of our free time. And it's just so damaging over the long run, right? Even if you, even if last week I saw a really well-known hairstylist share something about how, oh, you can't be successful working, you know, 20 or 30 hours a week. You can only be successful if you work that in two days. And I'm like, you know, I know a lot of really successful (laughs) six-figure hairstylists that are working 20 hours a week and they are doing just fine. So the hustle culture and that hustle mentality, especially in a physical and creative job, I just cannot wait for the day that we can let go of that. I I think we tell ourselves a lot of lies and we think that if we're not killing ourselves, that we're not successful. If we're not booked out super far in advance and absolutely doing, you know, 12 hours a day standing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like I have spent years thinking that that was what made me successful. And all of a sudden through, you know, coaching and learning and, understanding that you know that's not sustainable success is having a balanced life and work environment absolutely well and I think that's why it's so important to look at and I know in my coaching and in coaching I've had it's really important to look at it all like it holistically right like not just what does a work day look like but what does an ideal actual day look like what kind of time do you have with your family? What kind of time do you have at the salon? Like all of these different things. I think those all need to line up in order to, in order to get kind of where you want to be, but it is easier said than done. And I think sometimes like making the leap, we're so, we know so much that we need the change, but it's so hard to actually take the leap. Right. So, so yeah, I love like hearing your story is so inspirational because for the stylists that are listening, who are kind of in a similar position that you were in before with like, you know, being super run off their feet and a lot of the times not even making enough money to really sustain it because, you know, they're trying to get the money by volume, but they're not considering expenses. Like, what would you say to someone who's on, who's on the, like, hasn't been through the transformation yet? Like what words of encouragement do you have for the stylist who's listening, thinking, yes, I need to make a change, but I'm like terrified. Well, you just described me prior to some of the changes I made. So, I mean, I definitely hear you on that. I feel that. And I mean, certainly no judgment if that's where you're at, because it's really easy to fall into that trap. I would just honestly encourage somebody. I think a really big part for me was getting support. So, I mean, if getting a coach is something that you can do or something that you would feel comfortable doing, I I would really recommend that because I I feel like that's a big part of helping you set goals. But I mean, definitely sitting down and like you had said, make a plan for if ideally, if, if there were no boundaries, what would your day look like? You know, how many clients would you see? How many hours would you work and then work backwards? Like, how do I get to that point? What, what does my day look like? to get to that point. So I think it's just looking ahead at the future and like, what do I want to be doing? If I don't want to work Saturdays anymore, or I want to have every evening home with my kids, what do I have to do to get to that point? 
And maybe like that's, I don't mind working Saturdays. I like my Saturdays in the salon. So that wasn't a goal for me, but you know, having a balance was what I needed. So, I mean, it's different for everybody, but sit down and look at what your health needs. Don't get to the point where you're so burnt out, where you're going to leave the industry, an industry that you might love because you're stuck and you don't know where to go from here. Find help, find support. You have transformed my business. So, I mean, like find somebody to support you and help you make those goals and changes. I would echo that as well. I think that coaching is the thing that absolutely changed my career as well. And just having that support, having someone in it, entrepreneurship can be lonely because it's very difficult, especially in our industry. I think that the hair industry, I've said this so many times before, but I think it it really is unique because from the outside, it looks very glamorous and it looks like super fun, which it is. It's a really beautiful and amazing career, but I think it's hard to Have someone empathize with your exact struggles when they come from outside of the industry. So I, like my coach is also a hairstylist and I think the best coaches have coaches. So, you know, I would agree like finding support, finding someone to help give you that permission, allow you to talk out what's holding you back and work through things. I think that's key as well, for sure. Definitely. Nobody's so, going to understand your struggles the way another hairstylist does, for sure. And that's absolutely true. So what are you most proud of in the past year? I know you've gone through so many trans, like so much transformation. What what has been your like crowning achievement over the past year, would you say? I would say it's almost where I am at mentally I'm proud of because that changing how I my perspective of my time behind the chair was something I've been stuck on for over a decade and then we had COVID which was oh my gosh I mean that's just blown us all out of the water right like that's been so hard and having a closed salon and it was like okay in the last year It was kind of either like, is this going to kill me and ruin my business? Or is this going to make me stronger? You know, being closed and being just, you know, not being able to do hair and, you know, just what a mess this year has been. So I think I had to look at it and think, okay, is my business done or am I going to fight? And I think I spent this year fighting and it ended up being one of the best years of my life for my business and the growth in my business and how I feel about the industry because I've just, I wasn't going to let all the negative get to me. I was going to fight for it. I was going to fight that when we went back, my business was better than it has ever been. And I'm proud of that because that that's all part of the mind game that we're playing all every day. Mm -hmm. I love that. I think that's such a That's just such an inspiring point of view to look at it as like the thing you're most proud of isn't necessarily an, you know, typical achievement, but it's the way you've been able to master your mindset and your goals and your outlook. Because honestly, like that's the first piece. It's so hard. You know, one of my favorite things that I heard when I was kind of starting the same journey as well, like the mindset journey is about how 
If you look around, there's a book that I love. It's called You're a Badass. It's by Jen Sincero, and I talk about it all the time. But there's a part in this book where she says, okay, look around the room and count the amount of red objects you see. So I like look up, count around the room how many red objects I see. And then you like go back to the book and she's like, okay, now tell me how many blue objects are in the room and without looking. And I'm like, oh, I have no idea how many blue objects are in the room. And it's because what you're looking for, you will find. So if you're constantly looking for the downsides and the negatives and, you know, the things that are hard, and I'm not discounting anyone's lived experiences. That's absolutely not what this is about. But like, if you're actively looking outside of yourself to find the positive and the opportunity and the things that are going to help propel you forward in your career and in your life, then that's going to be the thing that you find. And that's going to be what shows up all the time. I totally agree. And I mean, we have had unprecedented hard times, it feels like in the last year or two. But I feel like it's been what has worked best for me was just allowing myself the time to at the end of the day, it was like, you know what, some of that sucked. And mm-hmm. I'm going to take, I'm just going to go take a hot bath and I'm going to feel sad. I'm going to cry yep. if I need to. And then mm-hmm. I'm going to wake up the next day and I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to make a plan or I'm just going to do better. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if you are the most successful as far as you're making the most money, you own five salons, you're an educator for top brands. At the end of the day, none of that's going to matter if you're not happy and going into it with positivity and you know, if your perspective isn't where it needs to be, none of that matters. That's absolutely true. I love that. Thank you so much for coming on today, Dana. This has been such a privilege talking to you and just watching your journey over the past um, several months has been such an honor. I'm really excited to have you on today. And thank you so much for sharing your story. Oh, you're so welcome. You're like one of my favorite human beings in the whole world. So this was a true pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) That is it for this week's episode of the Hairstylist Rising podcast. I will see you back here, same time, same place next week. And if after listening to this episode, you are interested in finding out more about coaching or how you can get support in your beauty business, feel free to check jodybrown.ca slash services to see how you can get some support in your beauty business.